It's breaking news time again. Hello, I am Eric Corrine. This is Jurassic Pod. Uh, with me on the other line, it's Holly McKenzie. Uh, we have no time to ask how Holly's doing today because just a few hours ago, we got word that an annual tradition continues to be an annual tradition. The Raptors have extended qualifying offer rights uh, to Nando DiColo. Keeping him a restricted free agent if he comes back to the NBA at 35 after being out of the NBA for eight seasons, the Raptors will be able to match any offer. Holly, does this radically or just regularly change the landscape of the league as we know it? I would say it radically uh, changes it because it's showing that a team is like committed, which most teams are not. Um, so that's they're certainly committed. Movement. They're certainly committed to the bit uh, for, wh- <laughs> for which all of us are. Uh, <laughs> I uh, didn't know when you opened. I was like, "Where is he going with this?" And then as yeah. soon as you said, "Continue," I, <laughs> I knew where. <laughs> what you were yeah, gonna this say. is going to be the new way we open all of our podcasts are with like breaking news of. Stories that are actually so minor that they don't require me to tell you about them in advance. Um, it'll I think be it's a- sad when they don't, you know. Yeah. Like it'll be sad when the off season comes where they don't have to uh, have to extend the qualifying offer. Yeah. Um, um, let's keep in mind here that this isn't just like a, a draft and stash second round pick. <coughs> Uh, like those players are actually useful to retain mm-hmm. their rights because sometimes <laughs> you can move them in a basically a trade for nothing. Uh, you can move those rights and they count as something outgoing. You can't trade restricted free agency rights. Uh, that's not how that works. So uh, it really, I mean, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I, I do not believe I am. Uh, anyway, uh, I just have Nicola, to interrupt to say that to say that we got a tweet from someone, a uh, username is beam me up Scotty Barnes that says no Nando talk. Oh, beam me up Scotty Barnes. You're in for a treat. This is just for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's a good, good addition. Um, so yes, uh, Nando DiColo remains not really a Toronto Raptor, but potentially a Toronto Raptor in perpetuity. Uh, we're going to talk about the draft, which happened last week. We're going to talk about free agency, which starts on Thursday. We're going to talk about Canada basketball. That has already started, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I, I mean, free agent season is well underway in all of its delightful stupidity. I love how we pretend that things have, like, a start date, you know? I also um, love that we pretend, like, tampering doesn't happen. Like, I just love, like, fake rules. I, I don't know what you're talking about. The Brooklyn Nets gave, uh, according to multiple <laughs> reporting, gave Kyrie Irving to uh, uh, the right to seek out any opt-in and trade options. <clears throat> and according to anonymous sources uh, from Shams Terania in The Athletic, who broke down what that whole process is like, Kyrie had numerous <laughs> opt-in and trade scenarios on the table, and he's choosing to come back to Brooklyn for a be? paltry $37 million. I, I guess he's just committed to the Brooklyn Nets and loves the way he's being treated. They love him. It's all great. Everything is great uh, there. Uh, yeah, the NBA, sure sounds like it. Uh, it's quite a league. Um, it's wild. It's wild that you could confidently say, oh, I would definitely, absolutely, completely, entirely pass on this incredible top 10 talent in the league but you know what <laughs> impossible is uh 
is nothing, as they say, because that's what I would say. You? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's co- it's complicated, um, <laughs> but you know, Kyrie doesn't blend in. He's just uh, it, it's the people who make their own decisions who are are leaders for the future. Uh, Holly, or whatever the hell he said, and is nonsensical. Uh, I, I know, I know. Our friend Alex Wong is, has long been off fake deep, but like, is Kyrie Irving the most fake deep person who has ever existed? <laughs> oh man, we should. Uh, yeah, we should rank. Yeah. We should like draft the 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 fake deep players in the league. We should do like a draft to see who would be a number one pick. I don't think he uh, wouldn't be the number one pick. I'll say that. He would have the best odds of being the number one pick, but I'd have to think about this longer. Um, Anyway, (laughs) he appears to be staying in Brooklyn. Congratulations Uh, to Brooklyn. Yeah, and him. $37 million. Nothing to uh, shake a stick at. uh, If shaking a stick was something you would do when you were being dismissive of something. Um, The Toronto Raptors... I don't think are in the running <laughs> to acquire Kyrie Irving. Uh, were they were never in the running, and will likely continue not to be in the running for uh, myriad reasons. Uh, what they have done since we last spoke to you last week. Thank you for using that word correctly. Myriad, as opposed to saying myriad of, or a myriad, myriad. When people say yeah, a no, yeah, it drives me crazy. It's it's, it's um, one of my it's one of my greatest like. Um, like pet peeves when I'm listening to someone or reading something and that happens. And I get why it happens because people never get corrected when they do it. And it's, you know, not a common word, but anyway, I'm, I digress. I've interrupted. I apologize. No, I, I'm now going on a digression. Uh, So that, (laughs) that is one of my, like, I find it to be one of the most inexcusable grammatical errors, just because I think it's become so well known for being a common common grammatical. No, like, People know, like we, I I think it's like one of the top examples used for common grammatical errors is myriad, a myriad, myriad of that whole range of, of things Mm -hmm. that like everybody who writes for a living has had to have heard it by now. Um, I feel like we think that because we have heard it and it annoys us so, but in actuality, a lot of people truly don't know. Yeah, which feels um, inexplicable. But yeah, I'm yeah. T- I'm talking here about like people who write for a living, not people who are okay. like drafting memos um, or or work, you know, in any number of fields where I think it's it's more Eric, forgivable. I fear that we have tanked the interest no. of this podcast. But, but we let need me, to get okay. But you you've I, I mean we're still like half the distance that we were until we started talking about the Raptors last week, so we have tons of time to go. Okay. But the okay. Jewish wedding equivalent <laughs> of this is uh you've been to a Jewish wedding, mine. Um and uh when the ma- at the end of the ceremony, the man breaks glass, uh stomps mm-hmm. on on some glass, and it is almost a cli- no, it's not almost a cliche. It's a total cliche of a joke to say uh, you know, this symbolizes the last time a man gets to put his foot down in the marriage, which is like a horrible thing to say for <laughs> any number of reasons. But beyond those reasons, it is like the equivalent to what we were just talking about. Like <clears throat> anybody who 
attends Jewish wedding, has attended a Jewish wedding, even if they haven't heard the officiant say it, they have heard the joke about it. Um, and I say that to say I attended a wedding, a Jewish wedding on the weekend, and the officiant actually said it. He said the joke. He said, this is the last time. Like, I cannot believe it was used. I was stunned. Uh, uh, you know, bad job by him. Uh, fun wedding. Uh, congratulations. But uh, yeah, let, let's ban that one from the uh, from the joke book for any number of reasons, including everybody who wants to have heard it has heard it by now. Since we last talked to you, good listeners, the Raptors uh, went through the NBA draft. And with the 33rd pick, they drafted Duala Cameroon's own Christian Coloco. Uh, we talked to him a day later, mm-hmm. but Holly, uh, what were your thoughts when the pick happened? And uh, how has your mind come around to it since then? Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll be shocked to know that I think it's great. <laughs> uh, my initial, my immediate thought, um, I actually raced to Twitter to tweet you. I don't know if you saw it and said, oh, my God. I did. did. Yes. Because yes, we had talked about this on the podcast last week and you had said, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be neat if if they uh, drafted someone from uh, Pascal's home? You know, like, wouldn't that be a neat little side story? Because we were talking about different, like, backstories and connections that would be cool. Um, They did. And, yeah, I think, I mean, I wasn't at his availability, but I was listening. And uh, he sounds incredible. (laughs) Sounds like just a really fun and and, um, easy guy to root for. And, you know, spent the weekend watching some highlight reels that people had posted to Twitter. And, listen, man, Raptors Twitter, for better or worse, like, they have it like if something happens they are on it more than you would ever want to see you're able to see and learn immediately um and yeah some of those highlight reels were i mean obviously they're highlight reels so it's only gonna be the be the best uh the best of the best selection of plays available but yeah it it, it's a raptors pick he is, he's a, he tweeted the, the morning after, I'm a Raptors man. I woke up and I'm a Raptors man. And you know what? You are a Raptors man. Just watching him like in defense, in, uh, on defense and just, I am pretty excited. <clears throat> Thoughts? Are you? <laughs> um. Well, first of all, I wrote this in one of my stories, uh, but it is not as if the Raptors have now drafted two players from like, the Cameroonian equivalent of Sheet Harbor, Nova Scotia. Um, <laughs> like, Douala, as of 2015, has about 2.8 million people. So, like, it's a pretty big place saying that. You know, these are the first two NBA players from that mm-hmm, city. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, it and, is and very cool. And obviously, given Masai Ujiri's history dating back to when he started... Uh, Giants uh, of Africa, I believe in 2003, uh, when he was a scout with the uh, mm-hmm. Denver Nuggets. Um, you know, I, I think it's, there are obviously many other African raised or African born players in the NBA, but for him to get, uh, you know, to draft two players from that town and who mm-hmm. have gone through, you know, basketball without borders. Um, and obviously if you heard Coloco talk, he said whenever he ran into Masai Ujiri, he was always 
Masai Ujiri was always talking about how proud he was of his development from when yeah. they first saw him in 2017 <clears throat> uh, at Basketball Without Borders in South Africa, Johannesburg. Um, I, I mean, it's got to be like it's got to be really cool for Coloco to go to the organization that yeah. is, and run also also for Masai, Masai like yeah, also for Masai. It's a very very cool story, like. Not to not to totally run away and get ahead of myself here, but I I mean this past week, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and his brothers and his family had the premiere of their movie. I think it's called I don't is it called Rise or did I just make that up? Anyway, I, they had like a movie I, I, I coming forgot. out on this yeah. on the story of the brothers, and that's awesome. And you look at that and you're like, yeah, he literally like this is like a dream story. Like this could be made into a movie, and it was obviously. Um, Coloco <laughs> hasn't played a minute in the NBA, so I'm not saying he's going to be the next Giannis. But it, like you, you think of these backstories, and it's like that could be a movie. Like it's it's a dream come true, and it's really special. And it must be so cool for Masai to to just get to see see the growth, uh, like you mentioned, but also just to have that connection with the player, and then to get to watch them. Um, on the on the on the biggest stage like on like accomplish their goal and it also I mean it would be amazing if it was any team in the NBA obviously but the fact that you get to draft them and like make that dream come true I just think it's really cool um, and it was really cool hearing uh, him talk about how Pascal is like an inspiration back home um, I love it it makes me yeah. really happy to think about I guess to, to circle back my initial thoughts were like I was kind of surprised like I thought they might go for another wing type to just to just to keep on like taking chances with these sort of versatile players. Uh, whether that was Max Christie who ended up going thirty fifth to the Lakers, or whether it was Bryce McGowan's who uh, was eventually traded to Charlotte, or EJ Liddell who went to New Orleans, or or Ryan Rollins who ended up in Golden State. Those were like some of the names I I, I thought. Or I should mention Jaden Hardy, too, who sort of had a disappointing year with G League to Ignite, but also has that like high upside uh, sort of profile of somebody who ends up at G League Ignite. Um, so I, I was a bit surprised that they went, and I think this is what I wrote about, not the surprise necessarily, but this is, you know, he's a center. He is, mm -hmm. Not that he doesn't have some skills that might hopefully allow him to play in a few mm -hmm. different schemes, but like you want the seven foot one guy with the seven foot five wingspan standing near the rim and making those shots not go well. And more, <laughs> more to the point, like de deterring people from even taking those shots. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that's the optimal situation to use them. And so to use, uh, not that he's necessarily a low upside pick but it's hard right now it is it, based on what we've seen from the playoffs it's just very difficult for players who lack that defensive versatility to get and not to get on the floor but to stay on the floor in playoff series throughout so that mm -hmm. part surprised me his pedigree his development curve that is and, and, and you know like we joke about wingspan, but it's a seven foot five wingspan, <laughs> no matter which way. Yeah. That that is all very Raptorsy to me, and mm -hmm. let's not get it twisted. Like it's a position of need. Uh, like as much as there aren't positions anymore, having a rim running 
rim-protecting center, as Nick Nurse said that With night. With a Thursday, 7 wingspan. Thursday night. <laughs> like, it does allow you to do a few different things that you weren't able to do without that guy on your roster, assuming, of course, mm-hmm. he develops into being a productive NBA player. Yeah. No, uh, it's funny because like during during the season, people there were a lot of people sending in questions about should the Raptors get a get a center like where you know like what what are they going to do with this position kind of thing and I think they definitely addressed that and like you said it's probably not like well it's definitely not the position that everyone is like most psyched about <laughs> you know in in today's NBA um, but I do think I am curious I do think that they're I I, I feel like. And again, these were highlight reels I was watching. I'm not immune to the fact that these are selected for a reason. Um, But I definitely feel like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel good about the pick. I think, I think people are going to be surprised and I would not be at all shocked if in a year people are like, it's another one of those picks where people are like, how did, like, how did he fall how did no one know this how did the raptors know this and the reason the raptors knew this is because of their scouting and also because masai definitely has his eye on players that a lot of other people maybe don't have the same knowledge and experience with so i'm excited yeah it's just funny like thinking about prospects like <clears throat> the, the second after he's picked jay billis on the espn draft is like this guy can uh, credibly guard out on the perimeter. And then I went and looked at uh, uh, <laughs> the athletic Sam Vicini, who does a, a monster draft preview, which, you know, all draft heads should read. He's like, mm. he might get cooked on the perimeter in the NBA. And I, I'm like, this, that isn't to criticize either of them. We'll see how, how it happens. But it's just, it's funny how much disagreement there could be over like what might end up being a defining skill that's that the raptors will try to develop uh and how much weight goes into that depending on who a team like who fans or teams or scouts or whoever like trust you know what i mean like so there's so much unknown in every draft and we convince ourselves that we this guy's a surefire pick this guy's gonna you know i hate saying the term bust but you know what i mean like we we convince ourselves that we know when in actuality there's so many other factors that go into into what a player is going to become most of all i think is the organization that he ends up with and the, the fit that um the player has and i think this is a really good fit and uh i yeah i'm really excited like i'm much more excited um than i i'm much more excited in the days after the draft than I thought I would have been going into it, you know? I'm excited for the day when you say I'm much less excited at the days after the draft than All I thought right. I would be. Okay. Um, that that will be a truly That was an attack. That was a that was a an attack. You're an optimistic person. Style. That's you you like to be happy and excited about things. That's not that I mean those are your I have, character. I have been disappointed traits. in drafts before. Oh, yeah. You want to name any? Let's not. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you a serious question. When the first round <clears throat> ended and Andrew Nembhard was still available, yeah. Caleb uh, Houston was still available, what were you thinking? I was really upset, actually. Uh, especially with Andrew. I was like, what is going on? This is stupid. Like, why did we have all this talk about him killing at the combine? Like, or at the, at the, um, open, you're right. The run uh, that they yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The, the, yeah, um, the runs at the draft combine in Chicago in May. I believe it was May. Yes. 
We're in June, right? Yeah, we're in June right now. Again, yeah. never even know what month or season I'm in. Um, <clears throat> I I started to get worried because a lot of people that I had spoken to that day were like, oh, he's going to go first round. Like, he'll go late first round. Like, pretty confident he's going to go late first round. And then as the picks were coming up, I was like, what is going on? And then I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> like, what if I've put all my hope and, like, belief in this and really thought it and it's not going to happen? I will be devastated for him. Um, but I didn't have to be devastated because... He might not have gone in the first round, but he went through yeah. first to Indiana. Yeah, yeah. And we that's are a pretty all good... Indiana Pacers fans. That's a pretty good landing spot for him. Like, they obviously yeah. have Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, but no other, you know, obvious point guard prospects. And uh, so there are definitely, I think they still have TJ McConnell under contract. Yep, they do. Uh, but, the, but there will definitely be some opportunities there for him to... Uh, to get involved in, in the action there, and you know, second first pick in the second round indicates that uh, the organization likes him more than just eh, we'll throw a second round pick his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Houston went uh, with the next immediately pick, after him uh, yeah. to Orlando, so it was, and it was the second time in the night that <laughs> Canadians went back to back in the NBA draft. Uh, it, much earlier in the night, several hours earlier. Uh, Benedict Mathurin, or I, I'm not going to pronounce it right, Mathurin, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it, but I, I might be wrong. He went sixth, also to Canada's team East, uh, Canada's team West, of course, is the Oklahoma City Thunder, or is it the Memphis Grizzlies? Let's not decide that now. Um, went to the Indiana Pacers, uh, and Shaden Sharp, a pick later to Portland, uh, yeah, so yeah. cool, cool day for Canada basketball. Another four draft picks, two in the lottery, giving Canada, since Tristan Thompson was drafted uh, 12 drafts ago, there have been 12 Canadians picked in the lottery, which is Listen, quite a thing. I have, to tell, I have to tell you my favorite thing about this. Mm. Yeah, guess who was at ahead. the draft? Um, I'm not going to guess. You go. Guess which Canadian player went to the draft? Uh, Wiggins? <laughs> no. Uh, Lou Dort. Lou, Lou Dort. Dort went to the... He went to the draft to support uh, Ben, to support Benedict, because they... Mon- like, Montreal grew up represent, yeah. Yeah, they grew up together and, um, you know, played together since they were young and they're super close. And Benedict, uh, when he was drafted, he talked about the significance of, you know, being the highest born... The highest drafted um, Montreal, Quebec-born player to be drafted, the highest pick. Yeah, I'm saying that right. Right? I feel like I'm saying that backwards. The highest drafted. Ch- yeah. Yes. Montreal. From Quebec. Yes. Montreal. Yes. Okay. And when he was talking about that, he uh, referred to Lou as his big brother and how cool it was going to be. He wanted to face, he wanted to play against Lou. Like he was really excited about it. It was awesome. And then the next morning I saw, I was on Instagram and I saw that Lou had a bunch of stories and they were all from the draft and he was there. So he was taking pictures of him in his suit and when his name was called and then was hugging him afterwards and then was like posting him during the interview and like the quote about him being his big brother and was like, like, that's right, little bro, like forever. And then he actually posted um, a story over the weekend. Oh, this is midweek. I felt like today is not today's, today's, today's Tuesday. Tuesday. It was over the yeah. weekend. So again, days, weeks, months, seasons, I'm lost. Uh, he posted a story over the weekend that I saw yesterday that I encourage everyone to go look at. Not a story, a post. He posted to the grid, a slideshow to the grid. 
uh, with a really nice caption <laughs> congratulating him. And in the caption, it said, like, make sure you, like, go to the final slide. And when you go through the final slide, it's like a video of the two of them um, playing against each other when they were just little, little, little babies. And it was really cute. And it made me so happy. And I just thought that was so it was just so sweet. It was really, really lovely to see. And it made me very happy. And I thought, imagine how proud he is and imagine how good uh, Benedict feels. So yeah, that was my favorite. That was like my favorite, like behind the scenes Canadian moment from the draft. Yeah. I saw Lou Dort today at uh, Canada basketball practice. Yes. I threw my shoulder into his chest. He was, <coughs> he was, he was knocked over. Very embarrassing for him. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll get to Canada basketball in a second. Uh, I mentioned that Shaden definitely Sharp. happened. Uh, yeah, 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 not a lie <laughs> at all. Uh, Shaden Sharp uh, went seventh to Portland, notably not traded to the Toronto Raptors for OG mm-hmm. Ananobi. Uh, mm-hmm. Shocked. I, I mean, first of all, there was the Jeremy Grant trade. He was sent to Portland on the Wednesday mm-hmm. before the draft. Other than that, like. There were some minor trades, DeAnthony Melton going to Philadelphia. Not a whole lot of, like, established players being traded around the draft, and mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. on draft day. Uh, Listen, we really have to figure this yeah. out so that when a player gets drafted and the trade has happened, you got to give them the right hat. Like, I really hate when we're – you would give them the hat of the team that drafted them, even though we all know they've been traded. And then they have to go through the, like, media gauntlet where they're literally a- answering questions about why, they'll be, why they will be a good fit for the team that drafted them, even though they've been traded. We have to stop with this. All right? Uh, like, stop the charade. I mean, figure it out. But then teams might uh, tamper, and that would be illegal. Yeah, um, that would that would be a first time thing that has never yeah, happened for before. The fir- for the first, well, it's happened twice. The now sanctity that, uh, of the game the, had better be Miami had and better Milwaukee be protected. Have lost their, was it Miami and Milwaukee? No, Miami and Chicago have lost their second round picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, tamper- tampering was afoot. Um, OG <laughs> wasn't traded. Any uh, any any thoughts whatsoever no. there? Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> I was not, in the rundown it says, le shock. <laughs> I was not shocked. Uh, I, I think we both did not think he would be moved. Um, and he wasn't. And I think, I think especially felt confident about that. Uh, hearing um, Nick Nurse's comments the night of the draft when he, I think it was, it was, it was the night of the draft, right? When he spoke before yeah, yeah. the draft? Yes, the night of. Uh, so it pro- wasn't just before the draft, to- it was after the pick. After when the pick, he, I believe. When he had the quote about how he loves OG and they have a great relationship. Yeah, I believe it was after okay. the pick because he didn't speak to the media beforehand. Okay, sorry. Uh, Again, time, yeah. days, me, yeah. I'm lost. Uh, but yeah, hearing that, it just it just kind of reaffirmed what we had talked about last week that we thought um, OG is happy with his role, certainly isn't unhappy, and uh, has a good... It, it feels like he's a good fit and seems happy here. And Nick kind of reiterated all of that. Uh, stuff. Yep. Nick Nurse, Jazz Fest. We didn't we didn't mention that, but wow. Yep, way to go, cool. Nick. Uh I wasn't there again. I was at a wedding. Um but I was, was not there, the Ar- but I, I watched. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh he was uh uh with the Arkells on Friday and then Jazz Fest on Sunday. Uh Man of the World, Nick Nurse. Um It's pretty awesome. You of- can tell he was really, really like thrilled in the clip, and it was really awesome to see like how cool is it to get to have your job, your day job, be 
your dream, <laughs> coaching in the NBA and coaching the Canadian national team. Uh, but then also like your greatest passions, you're getting to um, live out those dreams as well. It's awesome. I think it's inspi- athletes, inspiring. And I think athletes want to be music stars. Music stars want to be athletes. And Nick Nurse just gets to be all of them. Apparently, Nick Nurse gets um, to be all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, an, and, an, and an actor. He's a triple threat. Um, oh my gosh! Did you watch uh, that episode? I I did not catch uh, that episode of Murdoch Mystery Mysteries. I Mysteries? saw the clip, but uh, I did not watch the whole episode. I must. Yeah, confess. it's a long show. It's an hour show. Yeah, I'm, I I frankly just that's not my jam. Um, glad we're creating quality tv in canada but that that general vibe is is not for me uh we should move on uh just wrapping up the og conversation neither i wasn't surprised i'd be very surprised if any members of the core are are traded this offseason mm-hmm. if anybody is i would expect it to be gary trent jr before it being og ananobi but again i would be very surprised if anybody was traded from the core so I would be very are, upset if if Gary these are, was moved. These so, are yeah. degrees of surprise, all of which would be somewhere <laughs> between very and overwhelmingly so. So that's sort of where I am with the team. I, I think we're, you should prepare to see the same core, which doesn't mean you can't make changes around the edges. Free agency uh, kind of opens Thursday, June 30th, 6 p.m., uh, negotiations and agreements uh, can be reached. Uh, I believe the moratorium ends on July 6th at noon. So that's when deals can be officially signed. Mm-hmm. Um, Raptors, uh, quick review, basically have the ability, uh, or they have bird rights, uh, which means they can exceed the cap, to re-sign uh, Chris Boucher, and Thaddeus Young, as well as, uh, even if they do that, it's very likely that they will have the entire mid-level exception, which starts at about $10.3 million, which can be used on one player or split among many players um, to to use while ducking the punitive luxury tax threshold. Mm -hmm. That's like the little legal... uh, sort of rant that has to be said at the end of a lot of commercial commercials and you know <laughs> uh anyway that being said not necessarily a person what but but just whether it's a position or a philosophy or like a role on the team what would be like your priority from a raptors perspective this uh yeah this uh, i thought it was interesting that i thought it was interesting that you said like a role or a philosophy um position roller philosophy because yeah i think like once the draft happened and uh we saw their pick and we also saw that they did not move og like you i also would be very surprised if someone in the core moves this summer i think that we now know that the the team the plan is to give this group a bit of an opportunity to see what they could become and and where they could go um I think it definitely like over exceeded expectation last year. So like we've talked about how Masai usually will give players and teams opportunities to kind of show what they can do. You know, I think they earned that last year. So I think they're going to get that. So I think the philosophy is mostly going to stay the same. Um, 
But the biggest priority for me, we've been talking about this forever. Um, and we've been talking about it forever because it's hard to get, uh, but like a three ND player, especially just like a, a, a shooter. I would really, really love to have um, a really great shooter if if that could be something that the team could find. Yeah. Um, more than anything, I just need, think you need some experienced depth that because mm-hmm. the Raptors place in, you know, have so many players who can theoretically play so many spots on the floor, let's say, you don't necessarily need a backup point guard in order right. to get Fred Van Vliet more minutes on the bench. But mm-hmm. you need that quality depth in order to get Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and, you know, Scotty Barnes probably at some point, uh, more manageable workloads. And before anything else, that's what I'm looking for. And then you can get into starting to have your preferences about uh, choosing positions. So, like, in general, I would be more inclined toward a perimeter player than, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a big, so to say, uh, so to speak. But, you know, depending on the player, my opinion might change. Um does that make sense to you? Of course it makes sense. Also right. I, also look at the draft. We don't need a big. We have a future superstar. Yeah, yeah. That's how we're rolling. <laughs> we're we're, we we're just assuming yep. we're assuming not only will the 33rd uh man get a guaranteed contract. 33rd pick get a guaranteed contract. Not only mm-hmm. uh will he make the team in general, but uh, not only will he be a contributor, but he's a future superstar. Uh, no hey, pressure. did you see the... <laughs> did you were, if you were watching the draft, I'm not sure if you had the sound on, but when they were talking about the picks in the second round, and they mentioned Jokic, I forget I forget the number he was right I now. I believe he yeah. went 41st to uh, Denver. Yeah, I think it was 41st. It can happen, yeah. man. Yeah, no, it's fair to uh, to prepare, to compare this pick to maybe the greatest draft of <laughs> A two-time MVP? Absolutely, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, it's fine. Um, We talked, uh, a reader last week, or a listener, uh, a reader reader of the, with the ears, um, asked about Chris Boucher and Thad Young, who are the Raptors, two free agents. Uh, Just, you know, not talking about how likely it is, how essential do you think bringing one or both of them uh, is uh, back is uh, for the Raptors uh, both next yeah, year, kinda, but uh, you know, big picture. I feel like that's kind of a hard question to ask. How essential is bringing one or both back? I don't know. Well, do you do you have an answer? I mean, I would say it, it, you know it's not essential. Essential, like the, the most important pl- pieces are the most important players, and. You know, core, no, yeah. n- no shade to those guys, but they're not going to be among the first, you know, the, the four most important guys on the team. And so if for whatever reason bidding gets out of hand with either of them and they feel that it jeopardizes their way the future. to uh, to build in the future and, and to have, you know, different avenues open to them in the future, at some point you have to walk away and say, well... These guys, you know, were able to negotiate uh, based on their play and based on their position in free agency. Uh, something that's great for them. We're not comfortable with it. Like, you cannot necessarily splurge on this piece at this time. So, at, at that, in that way, 
not essential, but it goes back to what I just talked about. Like, Mm -hmm. in terms of the depth for this coming year, if you don't bring at least one of those, Chris Boucher or Thad Young back, preferably both of them, it You're going to have to go out and find it it, somewhere. Yeah, and you're not going to, you're in all likelihood not going to have the same resources in terms of how much you can spend on a player because of the way the cap works and, and the exceptions there. And you don't suddenly gain the equivalent amount of, of money to spend because Chris Boucher doesn't come back. Uh, you're allowed to sign him because you have that, um, the, the bird exception. So it's, you can't just necessarily replace that guy with a equal value payment. You, it might mm-hmm. have to be the biannual exception, which is five, starts at $4 million a year, or it might have to be the minimum. Uh, so in that sense, if you like, if I'm the Raptors, I really want it's to definitely out. easier to try yeah. to at least yeah. bring one player. I back would love, both, yeah, or? I would love to bring both back plus, a, a guy who is worth the mid-level exception, whether he gets all of it or not. But if you don't bring two of the three back, and that's Boucher, Thad, and mid-level X, mid-level guy X, I think it's gonna. You're gonna have to develop and identify talent uh, in a very difficult way, very quickly. Not to say it can't be done, but it becomes a lot harder. Especially when you have that priority, that priority of uh, giving your guys a bit more leeway to either take some nights off or, or lower the minutes, certainly per game they play. Yeah, well, I feel like after the last year, um, even though like publicly, no one, I don't really think anyone's gonna talk too much about uh, Fred being tired and all of that. Um, I think that everyone knows that it was an issue (laughs) uh and they don't want to repeat it so um i think that those like kind of what you said uh adding depth not necessarily in a specific position but just depth um because the team is very versatile and um you know positions don't even really matter yeah Uh, and they're they're sorry go ahead no go no go ahead I'm just saying there are ways to get around it if they can't bring, let's mm-hmm. say they can't bring back either guy. Like, you still have Malachi Flynn, and you can just commit to playing him 16 mm-hmm. minutes a night. Or, or and mm-hmm. saying, Fred, you're not topping 33 minutes a night. Sorry, bud. Uh, but that's, Sorry, bud. You know, I really, really, uh, really would love to. I would love to see Nick say, sorry, bud, to, to Fred VanVleet. Sorry, bud, you're going you're gonna to rest. It's just a funny visual to me. Sorry, I sort of, I sort of feel like I, I sort of feel like he might say that. Uh, I could picture you know. Nick saying it. I don't picture yeah. Nick saying it to Fred. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But he does have like his folk, his like folksyisms. Uh, yeah, uh, the bud would uses. work. Sorry, bud. <laughs> yeah. Um, or man. Sorry, man. Um, anyway, but, uh, point taken. Not necessarily to Fred. Anyway, long story short. Uh, Long story long, uh, it <laughs> becomes a lot more difficult to build up that sort of quality established depth if you're not bringing one or both of those guys back. Uh, you want to play name game uh, and go down some of the potential mid-level targets and see 
uh, how excited you are for those guys to potentially end up as Toronto Raptors. Only if you only if you also play it too. Like I sure. also want to know how excited you are. Sure. Um, I, I see this list and I'm telling you, you know who my number ten is. Scale of one to ten, uh, you know who is a ten for me. I, I I have a feeling, but uh we'll get there. So one, not excited. Ten, maximum excited. We're not going with the high end free agents because the Raptors, unless they make some right. sort of sign and trade, just don't have the means to do that. Uh until I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume they're not getting DeAndre Ayton or Miles Bridges in <laughs> such a such a trade. Although Miles Bridges would be a lot of fun. I've I've gotta say. Okay, so one to ten, rules established. Uh, Bobby Portis. Yeah, I'd be like a nine. Yeah, I'd be like eight. Uh, I had him earlier in the year as my top. How is it that agent. even the person that you are like super excited about, I'm higher on the excited list than you? Like that was your guy. I thought you were going to uh, be mean, a ten, Eric. I was trying to. Yeah. I came in low at at nine so that you could be ten. Well, I think I've come down a bit on the idea of using that on a more limited positionally position right. wise player since then oh, man. i still it think be so it'd be fun, a great though. move um malik monk seven uh i got him at an eight as well victor oladipo okay eight I- i'm gonna go higher i'm going eight and a half uh i'm trying Mobon- to couch mine so that you'll be above sometimes so go ahead <laughs> mo mo bamba Seven. Uh, yeah, that feels right. I might go six and a half. Uh, again, owing to the big of it all. Um, Nick Claxton. Nine. Wow, I I would be like I would love it. Six. Why Why are you so high on him? Why Why do you I don't like know? Him? I just I just love him. I love watching him, and I feel like he would fit because he's just like all out. You know, like. I don't know. Uh, uh, like I, he was I feel the guy. Like Fred, the Raptors were. Yeah, the Raptors were definitely interested in him at the trade. I feel deadline. like Fred Van Vliet um, would love him so much. Like would love playing with him. Um, yeah, I, I would be a big fan of that. But it blocks uh, Christian Coloco's path to. Uh, I listen. Being a I know. Right. All right? <laughs> I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking about the the game, the name of the game right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, underrated season with the Clippers last year. Yeah. Uh, seven? Six? Seven? Uh, yeah, I'm going six. Uh, Mitchell Robinson? I feel like six feels so low. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't like, I'm putting like five as like average. I, this isn't like, I'm not grading them. So like a like six not a isn't pass equal fail. to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not equal to a C. Uh, yeah, because like I think in my brain like I'm thinking of five as like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, six is still uh, Mitchell... more excited than not. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. Five. Uh, yeah, that that's that's good. I'm good with that. Uh, See, I'm glad we did the. I'm glad we did the talk, the grading yeah, talk, the not. Yeah, yeah. Talk. I I have a strong guess for this one. Gary Payton the second. Twelve. <laughs> uh, I, I a mean, strong to a, twelve. To like, just from a selfish standpoint, I'd have him at like a nine or a nine and a half. From like a team, just to get to talk to him and deal with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At a team standpoint, probably closer to a seven, but it would be like, oh, yeah, come on, a, a, higher than a seven. Well, I mean, I just don't think like a smaller, not super shooting threat is exactly what they need. Um, it but... is exactly what they need if it's Gary Payton. Continue. <laughs> Uh, Gary Harris. Oh, Gary Harris. That's a great... Yeah, I would be really excited about Gary Harris, actually. I would be like a solid 8, 8.5. Wow. I'll, I'll put him at a 7. Uh, DeLon, the best player in the world, right. Six point five. Uh, uh, I got him at 7.5. Um, That's a hard one, because it's like, obviously, my heart wants to be higher just because yeah. I really like him. But I'm trying to I'm trying to actually not be ruled by my heart. Uh, just a few Two more. Two after I gave Gary Payton yeah. a second and a twelve. Yeah, yeah, but, a twelve. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll skip a few here. Um, how about the Martin twins, Cody and Caleb? Bonus points if you can say which Martin twin plays for wait, which team. Wait, are we doing both, or are we doing like what do you mean? Do you have opinions on an individual Martin? Do you think, <laughs> I don't do you know. Think... <laughs> I just, do you mean like together or like just as individual? No, they're not coming together. Only okay. one of them will okay. come. Okay, okay, I got confused. Um, I don't know, maybe a 6.5? I think they're nice little, like, they're nice players. Uh, okay, I, nice I little them... players you were going to yeah, say no, that, that was sounds... very insulting. Yes, they're, they like both had good years last year. Uh, I don't like, and they're also like very Raptorsy and like tough wings who can like, and they can make the sh- make a shot occasionally, like more than yeah a, a few of their guys that they already have. So I'd I'd have them sixes. Uh, Bruce Brown. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like we got to see Caleb a lot, and I would probably say maybe higher than maybe a seven point five. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, what was the next Bruce one? Brown. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Um. Seven. Uh, I love Bruce Brown. Uh, just because I don't think he's what the Raptors need, I'd probably have him as a five. But I, I, I think he's an I think he's an awesome player. Uh, and if it were, yeah, like I would end up psyching myself into it. I just don't think it's a great expenditure for them. Uh, right, Javale McGee. Four. Wow. I thought you'd be higher than that. Um, I'll put him at a five. Robin Lopez and the Raptors. I felt like I needed reunite. to have someone be below a five, and I wasn't sure yeah. where else I was going to use that. But continue. Sorry. Robin Lopez gets to be with the Raptor. Um, That's what I was going to say. I'm going to bump him to an eight just because he's going to be with the Raptor. Yeah. Um. All right. What would We've you... done enough of that game. What would you oh, give him? Yeah, sure. 
I don't know. Uh, I mean, for the vi- for the vibes, ten. For the use of money, three. Um, so listen, you have Austin Rivers out. on here, and that's actually interesting to me. What, what, where would you put Austin Rivers? Okay. Um, well, I obviously wouldn't want to spend the full mid level on him. Um, mm-hmm. but if you could get him in, if you could get him for like the biannual, like four million, I, I, I'd like that a lot. So I don't know. I, I think like at that price, four million a year, like. A six, like I, I think he would actually be a nice little piece of depth. Uh, for that. You said little again. I um, I think I would say seven point five to eight. Actually, I'm really high on Austin Rivers. I also just think he, I think he would be a dream for you to deal with in the locker room. Uh, well, great. Then I'm. There really isn't. He's really up there on the best quotes list for sure. Uh, well, that's good to know. Uh, lots of other he free agents. Told, out, he once or, told Alex Wong um to watch his crossover because he has like the best crossover in the league. Um, I forget the exact that, quote, but it was great, yeah. and I've thought about that every time I see him now. I think of that, and I'm like, man, he would be fun to have in the locker room. Continue. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so lots of other free agents out there. I just thought that would be an interesting way to attack this exercise. Uh, I also we I didn't throw out Montrez Harrell. I think that would be a terrible like. He's like great energy guy to have on your team, and I think like just not a good fit for what the Raptors are trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, mm-hmm. So he's an example of a guy I'd be lower on, um, but I just didn't feel like asking you. Would you be lower uh, than four? Uh, probably. It just feels like, so bad, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah like I don't like saying. People. Yeah, it, it's more. It's more the situation, and it's not about the, the player, player themselves. Yeah. It's about like yeah, how exactly. they would fit, like with what it's this like, group is yeah, doing. Like the Raptors already. Yeah, the Raptors don't have much in the way of paint production, and now you have a guy who pretty much has to guard mm-hmm. near the paint, uh, in that spot. Like it's just not ideal. Anyway, we'll see what shakes out. Um. You know, I, I think reasonable minds can definitely disagree. It's sort of a strange class like that. Um, and, and they, like, you know, they could come out with a center and I wouldn't be shocked. And they could come out with, like, a point guard, you know, a one-two sort of hybrid guard and I wouldn't be surprised. So it's sort of a, a strange place to be in. Uh, whereas, like, other summers you knew for, like exactly what type of player they were going to go after this one feels a lot more unpredictable and maybe that's just a not testament but a sign of like the way the raptors play is that more potential pieces are able to fit just because they're not married to to a certain mm-hmm. positional framework mm-hmm all right. Well, before we get to a few Twitter questions, I was watching you take a big gulp, and I wasn't sure. Okay, sorry. Eric yeah. just took a huge gulp of water. I was impressed by uh, <laughs> by how large that was. I was scared you were going to choke. Continue. It, it wasn't actually as large as it looked. I, I don't think okay. uh, Canada basketball <laughs> has uh, uh, had the, the men's senior team. I should say has been at it for the last two days. Uh, at OVO Athletic Center, the Raptors practice facility. They'll be there again Thursday before a home game uh, in Hamilton on Canada Day Mm -hmm. uh, against the Dominican Republic. And then on Monday, they are in uh, St. Thomas Virgin Islands. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd like to cover that game. Hypothetically. (laughs) Um, uh, For two more qualifiers... 
the qualification status isn't as interesting as sort of the players who are there. So in May, at the end of last month, Canada named 14 players who are supposed to be part of the summer core of the next three years. Uh, 12 of those 14 players are at camp. The exceptions are Corey Joseph, who's received uh, an exemption to miss camp uh, because of a family matter. And Dylan Brooks, who, uh, as Josh Lewenberg of TSN reported, uh, is still dealing with a a mid-sprinkle ankle. A mid ankle sprain uh mm-hmm. and there have been some disagreements between it sounds like him the memphis Gri- grizzlies and canada basketball about where he should be spending his time uh i don't want to go too far into that uh situation uh but after that uh, he's so he's the guy who's not there and his, that puts his future with the team in doubt because this three-year commitment was supposed to be you know, unless something major is going on, you're in camp even if you're not playing. Uh, on that note, there have been several guys who are in camp who are not playing. Uh, for example, we just talked about him, Lou Dort. Uh, bigger example, a man who hasn't played since uh, April t- 2021 because of a torn ACL. Jamal Murray has been around mm-hmm. uh, dribbling a basketball, talking to some Canada basketball folks, talking with Mike George, the player agent. Uh, and the idea there is like even... If they can't play, they're going to get used to the terminology. They're going to be with their teammates. And so when they are able to play, they're at a, they're able to pick stuff up quicker than they, you know, nothing will substitute playing, uh, but this is as good as you can get. Uh, So just seeing Jamal in uniform in a Canada uniform with the basketball in his hand on court felt so good because he has had, you know, numerous injuries, been out for a while, just, just so great to see him back on on the court. For sure. Kem Birch is also in that category, not playing. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I haven't asked why. I presume it's because of uh, the, again, myriad knee injury uh, situations he had in the past uh, year. Uh, but yeah, they have six members of the core 14 who are there but not are not going to play. And they have six who uh, will likely play. And at the top of that list, a man we spoke to today, a man who, uh, according to him, hasn't played for Canada basketball since he was 17, which isn't as significant when you're only 23, Shea Gilgis <laughs> Alexander. Oh my God, he's going to be in a Canadian jersey in his hometown on Friday night, and it's going to be freaking cool, Holly. So cool. Uh, also, Shea um, recently walked the runway uh, for... Tom Brown, uh, and he has been just doing the whole fashion thing, which is really fun because he loves that kind of stuff. Um, and I can't believe that he's like here now. Like, it just feels like I just saw him, saw photos of him like doing this fashion stuff. And now suddenly he's here and going to be uh, representing Canada. And that's just really exciting because you look at him and you think about what he can do. And it's like, oh, like suddenly, suddenly you, your expectations and your hopes get a lot bigger. And that's, I'm thrilled. Thrilled for him. Yeah. I think, like, he talked about not being able to play last year, just to review, mm-hmm. like, because the season was pushed back a little bit, um, free agency started in August, the Olympic qualifying tournament was in... Uh, June, July, June. July. Actually, I think I'm mixing up summers now. I, I think, think that's I what think he, it was in that, June. Yeah, 
yeah, no, but I think he was coming off plantar fascia. Uh, that was the reason he didn't play last year, mm-hmm. not the not the extension. But he, uh, uh, by Nick Nurse's account, when the the team met in Vegas after the qualifying tournament tournament last year, uh, Nick Nurse said he was all ready to give this speech about how important it is to commit mm-hmm. to your country. And he was like, before Nick can get anything out, he popped up and said, "Look, I know I wasn't here last year. I had my reasons. I'm committed to being there." And uh, He's shown it. He's going to be on the floor in like, like, honestly, these are games that, you know, are, they're important for qualification, but like, you could get out of them. Like, nobody Mm -hmm. would think twice if like, he's like, yeah, I'll be at camp, but I'm not risking getting hurt. Um, Nobody would think much about that, but he's going to play. He's going to play with his cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's another member of that core group. And... You know, yeah, they did yeah. like a promo for the game, the two of them together saying like, we'll be playing, like, you know, come out and watch. And I just thought, how freaking cool for two cousins who like, you know, grew up watching, watching Team Canada and having NBA dreams. And now the two of them are like on top of the world and they get to come home and represent yeah. the country. And in, like, in, some, awesome. in some order, like the three best Canadian NBAers are Gilgis yeah. Alexander, Jamal Murray, and Andrew Wiggins. And to have two of those guys in camp with, like, an invitation sort of open to Wiggins in the future. He was not on that core group, but might be able to to get onto the team, depending if, you know, that core group isn't all able to show up. Which is inevitably a thing that's going to happen, is just mm-hmm. because of the way the NBA works and injuries work, uh, there will be spots that open up. Uh, but... Uh, I think it's really meaningful. And he, when I asked him about that, like as one of the more prominent Canadian NBA players, uh, did you think it was important for you to show that commitment? And he was like, it has nothing to do with my success. Like I'm just a point guard. And like, I know point guards have to be leaders. And like, as a point guard, (laughs) I want people. And like, it's funny because like, I don't think of him as like the traditional point guard. He's certainly more Mm -hmm. scoring minded, but it's cool to, to hear him take that leadership role as such a young guy but also for a different reason than like look i've i've got x number of dollars coming to me and i know guys look up to me but that's not really what he's thinking he's thinking like i'm a leader on this team because of the way i play and the position i play and that's why it's important and that's neat no it's very neat very cool and you can see why people love to play with him (laughs) in the NBA and otherwise. Listen, we're talking about Canada basketball, so I have to interrupt you. And I have to say, uh, we have to give like a huge shout out to the women's three-on-three team who just competed in the FIBA three-on-three World Cup and made it to the gold medal game. Um, They fell to France, but they brought silver medals home. So shout out to Catherine and Michelle Plouffe. Paige Crozon and uh, Casey Bosch, who were just incredible to watch all week. Three on three is an insane sport. It's so fast paced and competitive. Um, it doesn't stop, literally does not stop. Um, the clock just keeps rolling. So it, uh, I, I, the stamina needed um, to play in those games, like it's, it's a short game, but like by the end, everyone is like, you know, bent over hands clasping their shorts out of breath uh the girls brought it and they were awesome um so congratulations to them it was really fun to cover and really 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 fun to to get to see them be second in the world it's awesome yeah tons of canada basketball stuff coming up uh you'll be writing for it on uh Mm -hmm. uh, basketball.ca i know sportsnet is picking up some of that stuff Mm -hmm. uh which is Mm -hmm. cool and uh the game for those interested i believe on friday night is on sportsnet one, uh, again, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 
Uh, Dwight Powell, I believe, should be on that team. Seven foot three or seven foot four, Zach Eady from <laughs> Purdue. It's going to be U- good, guys. University. It's going to be really, really fun. Uh, I know. I'm missing two other members of the core uh, group. Um, Kelly Olenek, uh, I believe, should mm-hmm. be on that team. Uh, so it's going to be cool. Oh, Melvin Edgem, I believe, is is, is member. Uh, do you remember when Melvin came? Do you remember when Melvin came for his draft workout? Yes, I do. You were. Uh, oh, I fell in he, love with yeah. his post game interview. He, what an incredible human being. That's all I have to say. Yeah, he was great. Uh, and there's a reason he uh, continues to be involved with the program. Uh, it is mm. partly that, and partly because he is an awesome international basketball player. Um, I, I remember the Pan Am games. He was just the king of the. Uh, Remember, guys, there's no goaltending in this sport. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The rules. Uh, or, yeah. There's no rim interference. Like, I, I will be <laughs> tipping in everything above the cylinder. Everything, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was awesome. Let's get to the Twitter questions. Uh, we're running a bit over time. Before we have to go, thank you again uh, for those. Uh, so let's start here. What are your expectations for Team Canada with uh, Shea as part of the roster? Will he naturally take on a leadership role in this new environment? I think a lot of what we just... That's Scotty Barnes' bandwagon. Yeah, I, um, I think a lot of what I just <laughs> said speaks to that. But uh, in general, uh, how would you say... Yeah, like, no. What are your expectations fe- for the team uh, going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely, like I said, like you look at the group that has committed for this like three year window. And I think like immediately just with those names um, that you mentioned and the fact that they've committed, the expectations, the window gets wider, you know, like the expectations get bigger, the pressure gets greater as well. Um, But you have guys that can shoulder that and want to shoulder that. So I think expectations are probably like genuinely as high as they've ever been um just looking at the group of talent um assembled as well as this coaching staff um yeah and experience and i think that yeah we we did touch on the on the shea stuff and i do think that yes i absolutely think he will slot in as a natural leader because he's already doing that like it is just naturally who he is and what he is and you're already seeing that so yeah um i I like I want I sort of want to get specific here like I think the expectations and that's not to say this isn't very difficult for, which I'll explain in a bit but I mm-hmm. think the expectations should be to qualify for the Olympics like there is enough talent oh, yeah. that has committed uh that you know this is the thing that's been alluded to that No for sure what you know Dwight Powell said it today that's what everybody in this country wants The goal is the, London yeah, yeah absolutely the, No the goal is Paris London already happened mm. uh but but Sorry you know, I said London I meant big, Paris. Big, big cities in Europe um but I do <laughs> want to remind people like only two teams from the Americas that's not just North America mm-hmm. that's like North America Central America South America qualify for the Olympics through the World Cup so, mm-hmm. presuming the U.S. will be one, that means Canada will f- have to finish ahead of every other team from the Americas in the World Cup in 2023. World Cup is in Japan, Philippines, and Indonesia to qualify out of that tournament. And that's not easy. There are currently four teams in the Americas who mm-hmm. are ranked higher mm-hmm. than Canada. That's... uh the United States, Brazil, Argentina, and Venezuela. That's not to say that the best version of Canada isn't more talented. That's not to say that a more committed roster shouldn't be able to beat those teams. But 
I don't think, like, just because the commitment has happened, it's still a very small window. And then if they don't qualify mm-hmm. through that tournament, they're in the same position they were last summer, which is you got to win a last chance uh, tournament. Uh, and, you know, the margin for error is just really small in those tournaments. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want, by saying that's the goal, I don't want to confuse it with that's a sure thing. Um, it's a given, right. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at. Uh, but yeah, I, I, expect- I have to say, I love how confidently I said London. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> never be confident about anything. Um, Obviously meant Paris, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you could only have one. No, I think that's important. I think it's important that you um, gave the context for that. Because I definitely think that absolutely is the goal. But it is a lofty goal that we'll need to. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be difficult to to reach. Yeah, like, I see no reason why Canada, like, can't medal, but I also mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if they don't qualify. Like, like that's, that's how difficult it is to qualify, you know? Like, it's, both things can be true. Uh, the, the difference between winning the silver medal, I mean, there probably is significant difference, I shouldn't quite say that, but the, the difference between having, like, a really good run in the Olympics and not qualifying for the Olympics isn't actually that big. I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Uh, Other Beans gets us uh, more focused on the Raptors. Uh, if you can only have one, who do you resign, Chris Boucher or Thad Young? Oh. Chris. Uh, I agree. Um, obviously depends on... I say that with my hand literally clutched across my chest. Yes. Um... <laughs> You are not the best at uh, at choosing between anything. Human um, beings, no. Yeah, well, it's not fun. I mean, nobody wants to be in the position of choosing between human beings, except for possibly me. Um, <laughs> some, some statutory holiday uh, questions. Uh, would anybody at all, asks Peter Shepard, Pistol Pete Star, would anybody at all complain if we stopped making July 1st the Canada Canada Day holiday and simply moved it to the first Friday of July? Oh, absolutely. There would be people to complain because there's always someone to complain about something no matter what. Uh, but yeah, that would be cool. This is like, I am all for that. And I totally agree with you, Holly. Like somehow <laughs> this would become like a history respecting the past <laughs> issue and it would be uh-huh. the worst just the worst um yeah final qu- sure. final question um that we can get to today from uh ent three r prize i'm for an erratically scheduled stat holiday there should be a day off that gets picked uh bingo cage and ball style every year uh, so let's just say, forget family day. Family day isn't a guaranteed holiday. And just like a on, bonus day. We never know when it's going to be. And on December 31st, uh, the, the prime minister has a, as a, you know, one of those giant bins with 365 or 366 balls in it. And out of it, he picks a random date. Are you for that? Or do you want the certainty? I want a week. I want I want a random week off. I feel like we as humans wow. work too much. We are too stressed. 
And a day is cool, but we all deserve five consecutive days to spend as we would like. We never know when it's going to be. It could be in the dreary winter. It could be in the summer heat. It could be right after Christmas, Christmas break for most people that are off between that, those like days between uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day. It could be any, it could be convenient or inconvenient, inconvenient, but I would like five consecutive days for us to rest and recharge. Um, I would counter that we do have that and it's called August, Uh, but that is neither here nor there. Uh, God, free agency makes me nervous. Don't love it, Uh, but it is exciting for fans. We'll have you covered at really? the Really? I didn't know it makes you nervous. Um, it's the it's like the closest we get to being we being beat reporters being like on call, you know? Like yeah. I have a wedding on Sunday night, which is July third. Mm-hmm. Like if stuff isn't uh planned isn't aren't like nailed down by then, I'm gonna be just like checking Eric, my phone too often i'm how making this been, about me i'm telling you how have you been no how have you been doing this this long and you haven't told every single person in your life that they simply cannot get married or hold life events for tur- these weeks it turns out i'm not like a top <laughs> five priority for everybody who might invite me to a wedding or have a life event for, for all these people uh, I once, uh, like, no, that uh, makes sense. I understand that actually, like for sure, because it just feels like the second you turn away, something will happen. And even if nothing happens, you kind of just have that like in the back of your head where you're like constantly checking. I wrote yeah. my Pascal Siakam extension story on my phone uh, from a, uh, a, it was either a baby shower or like a, just we're having a baby soon. Let's all get together and, and like see each other. So I, from like a separate room, that that's how I did that. Um, Listen, I, just, I have very I small know. hands and I do not know how people can type entire stories on a phone because that's something that I have never done and I don't ever want to do. So, well, it's not easy. Props to you and, for doing that. Uh, yeah, it, t- it took a long, it took longer than it would have otherwise. Uh, but look, that's part of the job. Uh, at least free agency doesn't extend to, I mean, it, it technically extends forever, but the news Newsy part hopefully shouldn't extend to August, uh, which will allow me to take that off. Most remember when, remember when Dwight Howard held everybody up. Um, there have been a few players like that. But um, remember, like the Lakers thing, it was like if he was going to come back or not, and it was like days of people waiting. Uh, I, I, I feel like it was like I do. I feel like LeBron was like that when he went back to Cleveland too. Sure, but that's like LeBron. I mean, Dwight Howard was one of the three best players in the league at some point. So, like, let's yes, not... at some point, but not at that point. So it was kind of everyone was like, "All right, no one can do anything until you make your move." Um, yeah, and then there was like anyway. uh, a few years ago when Kevin Durant and and Kyrie oh. Irving's intentions were made known before six p.m. on June thirtieth. <laughs> uh, no, this is why no, draft no, players no can have there, their. This is where draft players can have the correct draft hats. We've now made it full circle. Yeah. uh, On that, we've gone long enough. Uh, We'll probably be coming back at you sometime early next week to talk about what's going on in free agency. The reason we might not is if nothing has happened by that and Chris Boucher is holding up the entire market. And if he is doing (laughs) that, man, good for Chris Boucher. Uh, (laughs) I, I will not be mad at that. 
Holly, uh, enjoy, you know, the holiday, which... Canada basketball. Which, which isn't a holiday for us. Basketball, which is nice for us. Uh, and let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk next week, huh? Yeah, definitely. Everybody, if you're in Canada, watch, watch the national team this weekend. It'll be really fun. Celebrate responsibly. Uh, no fireworks after 1130, guys. My dog gets scared. Um, and uh, Walter, as Holly has noted, is a king. Uh, other than that, have a great holiday, and we will talk to you next week. For now, see ya!